which leads to the passage for today. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. It's the word of God for all people. Thanks be to God. Trust, the word in Hebrew is betah. What it means is to go to for rest, refuge, to trust, to be confident of, to be bold, which for us here at Bold Springs, I'll do something we can grab hold of. Betah, you might have this no way. Tim Hanlon tells a story in, in, a, in a book he wrote called Holy Sweat. He says this. So one day while my son Zach and I were out in the country, climbing around in some cliffs, I heard a voice from above me yell, Hey Dad, catch me! I turned around to see Zach joyfully jump on off a rock straight at me. He had jumped and then yelled, Hey Dad. I became an instant circus act catching him. We both fell to the ground for a moment after I caught him. I could hardly talk. When I finally could, I said, Zach, can you give me one good reason why you did that? And he responded with remarkable calmness, sure, because you're my dad. His whole assurance was based on the fact that his father was trustworthy. He could live life to the hill because I could be trusted. What a great example of us in our Christian walk. We get to live life to the full because our father is trustworthy. We can trust him. We can jump because he's always with us. When we stumble, he picks us up. We can live boldly for God because even when it... We can live boldly for God even when it means doing something that might not make the most sense. As many of us have made changes in our lives based on our faith. Done things that the world looks at and says, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense at all. It's one of the reasons why we encourage you to read scripture so much, because there are great passages. Because he's always with us. We know that he's going to work things out to the good for all of those who love him and who trust in him. It's our reality as Christians. It's why we can persevere through any trial. Anything that goes on in life, we can make it through. We can make it through because he is with us. It may look good on the outside or it may look bad on the outside by the world's viewpoint of things. But that doesn't really matter because whatever the that the good or the bad is, God is with us in the midst of it. He carries us when we need to be carried. He cheers for us when we need to be cheered for. He is with us no matter what. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Those of you who know me know I'm very much a heart person. I, 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 I love depth and passion of worship. I love the passion that God brings into my life and who He is in it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And I'm also glad they didn't say trust with your head. Because trusting with your heart is deeper. It's a deeper trusting. And when we do trust with our heart, the second part of that first, the, of, of verse 5, lean not on your own understanding, becomes a reality too. Becomes a part of who we are in our, in our journey. If we trust God only with our head, if we only trust Him with our mind, then we don't get to experience the depth of relationship that He wants us to experience. Do we use our mind? Do we use our mind? Absolutely we do. It's a great gift, right? We use our intellect and we use that. But our faith is based on far more than that. He asks us to trust with our heart, with the depth of our soul, 
with something deeper than head knowledge. The inner core of our being. And this is one of those things that makes those who stand against Christianity frustrated. For those who can only trust with their mind, people who trust with their heart don't make sense. Faith doesn't make sense when all you've got is, is your intellect. Of course, being Christian isn't about logic anyway, right? Have you ever really thought about what we're claiming as a Christian? I'll, I'll be the first to admit that when I lay hold of uh, to proclaim a risen Savior, I'm not making a logic statement. This is not something that, that you see every day. It's, it's Beyond that, look at what I say when I look at what we say when we're saying this. Step back and, and let's walk this a little bit. So what we're saying is there was a man, a real man, a real life human being that, that lived on the earth 2,000 plus years ago or so, so years ago. He did miraculous things that we don't really see very often in our own life, do we? We see miracles, but some of the stuff that's described in Scripture, I you know I haven't seen a lame person get up and walk and that kind of stuff. But we're claiming that. Well, sure I guess, but <laughs> So that's not logical. That's not, if you're just looking at it with your head, that's not a logical thing. So you go, well, you know, I don't know what those miracles are, but I don't think they're really miracles. There's something else. But we don't stop there. Because then we go, this, is a, this man allowed himself to be tortured and killed, even though he had the power to stop it. If you have the power to stop pain in your life, what are you going to do? You're going to stop pain, right? Jesus has power. And we're saying, yes, he has power, and no, he didn't stop. It. And that doesn't make sense when you look at it from outside of the faith. So then he's killed, then he's buried in a cave, and a stone is rolled in front of it. Finally, some logic, right? The Romans and, 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 and the Sanhedrin finally exhibit some logic. They, you know, the disciples said they were afraid the disciples were going to steal the body. Well, let's seal it. Well, that makes sense, at least. Until they rolled the stone away, or until they went the next day, and the stone was rolled away, and there's no Jesus. There's no body. So their first thought is, disciples must have taken it. But the body's gone. And, but we don't stop there either because Jesus knew what they were going to say so he goes further than that. He appears to the disciples and to many others to prove his resurrection. That's what we proclaim. That's not about logic. That's about a miraculous God who sent his son to die for us, who rose from the dead, who broke the bonds of hell and death so that we can experience eternity with him. But it's no wonder that people take shots at us, right? Because that, you know, if you just tell somebody that story, they're going to go, no. That's, that doesn't make sense. That can't be right. Of course, Paul knew that unbelievers were going to be unbelievers, and he talked to the church at Corinth about that. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We don't use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. 
On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And here is clear. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. See, Paul knew that unbelievers were always going to be skeptics. There were always going to be there were skeptics back then. He was a skeptic. Until on the road to Damascus, Jesus changed his whole world. But he was a skeptic. He knew the mind of a skeptic. And he was a smart guy. He was an intellectual guy. Until Jesus changed his heart. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. See, we let our light shine. We let our light shine and shine through us in such a way that people don't see us, they see Jesus. That's Christianity. That's what we're to be about. It's why we talk about the hands being the hands and feet of Christ. We are an example. People see Jesus at home, at work, at school, wherever you are, with your family, with your friends, you name it. God uses us. He shows up brightly. We're the light of the world. He shows up so that he can open up the eyes of those who doubt. One of the other beautiful things about the heart is that there's this, I believe this absolutely, there's this place within each of us that has a yearning. It knows that there's something more than what our head tells us, so there's a yearning to learn what that is. And we don't always know what that is. But when we do our part, when we live our faith openly, when we show Christ to others, then that light can shine into that place. And then things can change for that person. I'll tell you, it's impossible. You know, some of y'all know some of my history. This is not possible that I'm a good preacher, being a pastor, any of that. You know, recovering drug addict and alcoholic, you did a lot of stuff. You know, and and I get that we all go through stuff, but every once in a while, God God says, "You're a miracle, man. I just want you to know that, and you didn't do it. He did." So I don't know where you are, what you're going through this morning, or in your life. God is a God of miracles. He's a God of resurrection. He's a God of rebirth. He's a God of of transformation. Make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. He, that's who God is. It's what He wants to be about. And our job is to live a life in such a way that God is evident. That people might go, what's different about you? And you get to say, well, let me tell you. Let me tell you a little bit about my faith. God has planned. And I think it probably starts with trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. 
and then act, right? Because verse 6 is, in all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. So we trust in the Lord, we lean not on our own understanding, and then we act. 1988 Winter Olympics featured blind skiers who were being trained for slalom skiing. I wish I would have seen this. I, and I, I ran across the story and I'm like, wow, I would have loved to have seen that. So they, what they were doing, they were doing slalom skiing. Blind skiers, slalom skiing. It's impossible, right? But what they would do is they would pair them with sighted skiers. And they'd head down the hill. The blind skiers were learned how to do this on flat, on flat, right? Not just on the hill. But after this, but then they went up on the hill. And what would happen is they'd be going down, and the sighted skier would say, left! And they'd go left. Right! And they'd go right. And they skied down the mountain. As they obeyed the commands, they were able to negotiate the course and cross the finish line, depending solely on the sighted skier's work. It was either complete trust, or yard sale. <laughs> That's catastrophe that for those of you who don't see it. <laughs> those of you who see what I'm talking about. That's where you have to go pick up all your stuff. Cause <laughs> Isn't that a great picture too of the Christian life for us? We, we have a guy, we, we know, he knows what to do. He knows the course that we need to take. We're in reality blind to that. We're, we're doing our best. So we have to rely on the word of the one who is truly sighted, the one who can see, God Almighty. We rely on his word to help us. It gives us direction. It helps us to finish the course, to finish the race. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And when we listen to that still, quiet voice that tells us, left, right, go, stay, move. When we hear that voice in whatever season we're in, then our path straightens out. The difficulties in our life get overcome. And life is lived out as fully as we can in this place. That is what we try to do with discipleship. That's why we have uh, these six tenets of faith we call the marks of discipleship. They correspond to the vows of, of membership within the church. They're, and we're consistent across that. The series we're going to do is called Treasures of the Transforming Life, um, beginning on Valentine's Day. And that series is, is about taking a look at each of these areas, prayer, presence, gifts, service, witness. And for us, the, those marks are that we, we commit by signing. Don's right. We commit. When we sign that, we said, I'm going to do my absolute best to pray every day. I'm going to be praying, a praying person, daily prayer. I'm going to study my Bible. I'm going, to, I'm going to have some level of scripture going on in my mind, in my life, every day. For some, that's, a, that's an in-depth study. For others, it might be a scripture-based devotional. The Word of God is in my life every day. 
We worship every week, we, but we do more than that because worship is really what we do everywhere that we are, right? It's in, when we when we proclaim God in, in our lives outside of the walls, that's an act of worship. Read Romans 12 if you want to join that. We serve inside and outside the walls of the church. We make a difference inside and outside the walls. That's part of being a member of the body of Christ at the, the greater body of Christ. We engage in spiritual relationships. That, what that means is that we are being mentored. We have people in our lives who we go to, and we are mentoring someone else. Disciples make disciples. That's how it works. That's how it's always worked. Jesus is, is our mom, right? He had James, John, and Peter were his three primary, but he had 12 as well, so he was in a Sunday school class. And he had a bigger mob, and then he had the crowd outside of that, the bigger groups that he spoke to and that he influenced. But he had those groups, and we need to model that. We need those kind of relationships in our life. And we give up our time, our talent, our resources, primarily because they're his anyway. Right? He's given each of us gifted gifts and graces that he wants us to use for his glory. And he's given each of us resources that, that need to be used for his glory. Giving is a spiritual discipline the same as prayer. It's why it's on this list. Giving is good for us. We can get real wrapped up in money when we have, especially when people have money. <coughs> to be a disciple will require more of us than simply coming on Sunday. I'm glad you're here. It's a great step. Living fully as a Christian requires more. Requires more. Pray. Pray. Study. Engage in, in spiritual relationships, mentor, discipleship, relationships. Give. Serve. Read. And be in worship. It's more about heart choices than head choices, but Hebrews 11, one kind of Clearly cleans all that up for us when it talks about our faith. Hebrews 11, 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Some of y'all know this, right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. That's why the world doesn't get up all the time. You know, because we're, we're living lives in faith. We, we don't have to see it to believe it. The world says, if you don't show it to me, then it's not real. So we just have to trust and obey. Because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus <laughs> than to trust and obey. Song. What do you think it's going to be? Trust in their name.